We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from Wild Turkey Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Let's tune in to their one-on-one with Jamal, a real bartender from Old Fourth Ward in Atlanta. I really get into the backstory of whatever I'm pouring. Out of respect, there are literally years of experience behind these bottles. Wild Turkey, same recipe since 1942. If you want a true classic, this is what you want to order. Wild Turkey. Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari, American, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly. There's some people that held up that big check at the live final where by them holding up the big check is them saying, I'm even. I'm even, <laughs> finally. I'm back to even. <laughs> <laughs> This is the Fantasy Soccer Podcast from RotoWire.com, your premier source for fantasy sports. For player news, rankings, projections, and the best fantasy soccer stats around, please visit RotoWire.com slash soccer. And now, here are Andrew Laird and Jordan Cooper. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the RotoWire Fantasy Soccer Podcast. My name is Andrew Laird, Senior Soccer Editor of RotoWire.com. Joined by Jordan Cooper on this Thursday morning during an international break, which means it's Ask the Shark time. Jordan, how have you been spending your international break? I, I've been, uh, I don't want to get burned on not knowing the weather in certain places in Europe. So <laughs> last night I'm like, like, do I need to check the weather in Malta? And and where in Malta? So I had to look up where the stadium is. And it's like, okay, it's in a certain city. I don't even know how big Malta is. I was going to say, I don't think Malta's big enough that there's a difference. I think everybody has the same weather. Am I wrong? Right, but I, 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 after after last international break, I can't make that <laughs> assumption. Okay. Do you have a bookmark just for the Zagreb weather, and you start from there? And work well, your they're way not playing out. Zagreb, but I'm no, I know. Around going, going, it's you know, obviously it's more, it's it's funnier 
to look up the weather in Malta than look up the weather in like England. Sure. Uh, so, so that's why it's like, okay, I mean, they're going to play, but as far as, you could know, be a little sloppy. Like a, yeah, it could be a little, you're right. Scattered thunderstorms in Malta. Who mm -hmm. knows what's going to happen? Mm -hmm. So, uh, take care of that. I mean, that game is going to be, I mean, that's a glorified friendly. Mm -hmm. So does it really Great. matter? Some crazy that? things can happen in friendlies though. That's, that's correct. So, uh, so I'm getting, getting rather, uh, ready, mostly, uh, weather related and not necessarily like who's going to win the games. Right. Okay. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah. We've got uh, a few world cup qualifier slates today, Thursday, um, one for UEFA and two for CONMEBOL, although one of them is just a smaller version of the earlier one. We're not going to talk about that. There are just too many World Cup qualifier slates for how many podcasts we do regularly and can schedule. But, but, I, but, think, but I think that the thing to, to mention, since we're at the last round of World Cup qualifying, is that make, I mean, look to see what teams have something to play for. Yep. There are certain games where you, know, you should expect them to be playing an A team and, you know, going for it. And then some teams uh, are practically in with like, if they need to get in with just a draw, think in terms of, well, are they going to play for just a draw? Right. And then you have games where, you know, the team is already qualified. They, I mean, you have like something like Germany where, you know, they don't, they don't need to win draw. They don't need any of them. I mean, they're, they're going to be first in their group no matter what. So they could play like a complete B team. Not saying that the B team can't win for nothing, but there'll be games like that, even in South America and I mean even in CONCACAF. Mm -hmm. I mean see Mexico and Costa Rica or whatever. I mean that may be, you know, a complete rotated side or someone coming out at the forty fifth, you know, in halftime or something. So just keep that in mind. Whether or not you could utilize that and how it's gonna work out, I mean you have to judge that for yourself. But it's not like the first round of the group from like a year ago where you know the standings are nothing at that right, point right um good tip uh we're gonna go talk a little bit not a little bit we're gonna go very much in depth about bankroll management today because it's kind of a question that jordan has gotten from a number of people uh for the ask the shark column and so um it's one that we want to dive into so jordan it seems like the standard question is i have x amount of money how do I distribute that over a slate? And you, your standard response tends to be you're asking the wrong question. Do you want to explain that? Well, pretty much. I mean, it, it depends on a lot of factors. Uh, like first off, and no one no one says this when you when you hear people you know spout their BS about bankroll management. Uh, that if you're if you're a losing player, it doesn't matter. <laughs> you're play you're 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 playing for you know just fun. for fun right uh so the thing is is that you can't calculate because people talk about what what's called the Kelly criterion you'll hear that a lot it's 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 used primarily in gambling uh but th there are you know investment you know financial markets that you know that they invest based on it and uh, that's basically you know determining your 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 optimal bet size for the uh, the odds or the perceived edge that you have for a specific bet so that your risk, your, your risk of ruin is close to zero. So like if you had a certain amount of money, like that's where you get these, uh, these, these people that are like 5%, 10%, 2.5%, that type of thing. It's like if you have $1,000 and your edge is 
you know, 8%, uh, you know, they get like, you don't, don't, don't put half your money into it because, you know, you could lose twice in a row and you're done. Right. But what's, what's how many times in a row is so unlikely that you're going to lose and you're, per, you're only, uh, wagering a percentage of that. So if you have a thousand and let's say you're, you're doing 10%. So that's a hundred like for the first slate, you're doing a hundred bucks. And if you lose that, you're down to 900, which means the next slate you're putting in 90. Mm -hmm. So theoretically you get down to a point that even if you lose, you know, 10 times in a row, you still have money left that you could at least put 10% down. Even if 10% at some point is like $3. Right. So technically you're down to, you, you, you net as long as the, the minimum slate is like uh, the quarter arcade, like you can go by the Kelly criterion, but that makes no utilitarian sense in the way. If you only had a thousand dollars, like the, the thing that you'll hear in, in, in investor circles or when, when, I mean, if anyone out there is, you know, putting money into the stock market or building their retirement portfolio or something like that, that the younger that you are, the more risk that you could take on. Mm -hmm. So if you're 25, if you're 25 and you, let's say you have an extra $3,000, you, you saved up or whatever. And you're like, I'd like to invest this uh, for, to, to, to get a return. You want to make money off of that money. Uh, at 25 years old, you could put it into more risky opportunities because your ability to generate another $3,000 is very high just by working. I mean, just by whatever job that you have, right? So there's plenty of people that play DFS. They're like, I'm going to throw $300 into DraftKings. And if I lose it a month from now, well, I'm just going to throw another $300 in because, you know, I, I have a job. may not be even a great job, but it pays enough that it's like this is my entertainment, right? The same way that you'd go out to eat or go to the movies or anything. Mm -hmm. uh, but when you're 60 years old, and you have $100,000, well, you're close to retirement. So you don't really want to put it into risky investments because your ability to then get another $100,000 is very low mm -hmm. at that point. So that's a lot of times, uh, you know, financial planners will shift money into more lower return, but less risky. You're putting it into like index funds. The S and P, the you know, like a, a, a treasury bonds. I was gonna say you start getting the bonds, right? Right. That, that, I mean, that have virtually no risk. The return is low, but at that point, your your goal is to make sure that you don't lose money because you spent all this time. You spent from when you were twenty five to sixty five building up this. You know, could be three hundred thousand dollars, four hundred thousand. You know, you have a four hundred one k with whatever job, so you don't that the money that 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 you're that you you can't afford to lose at that point when you're down at $3,000 and you're 25 years old, you could go for, I'm going to go for a 10 X investment that could, I could get 10 X on my return in five years, but 90% uh, of the time I'm going to get zero. It's going to be nothing, mm -hmm. but then I'll be 30 and I could just make another $3,000. <laughs> it's, it's not that big of, it's not that big of a deal. So in the same way, view your uh, daily fantasy bankroll in, in the same way. So when you hear those percentages, like, yes, if you deposit a hundred bucks into your DraftKings account and you're like, well, I'm going to put $30 into play. Well, that's 30%. Whoa, that's high or whatever. But I mean, you could put another hundred dollars in, but when you're at $50,000 bankroll and it's like, I'm going to put in 10%, I mean, that's $5,000. Like, 
how how much is your ability to replenish five thousand dollars if you lose? Pretty pretty hard. Yeah. I mean, you'll still have forty five thousand dollars left from fifty thousand, but the more and more that you do it, the harder it is for you to get back up there. So, for instance, and and to anyone that has started from a small amount of money and built it up to a bigger amount of money knows what I'm talking about. Like your returns are always going to be exponential. So going from if you if you throw in a hundred bucks, going from a hundred bucks to five hundred bucks could take you and with with without just going YOLO and just like winning a GPP, you know, like that type of stuff, <laughs> but just like grinding it out. You win some, you lose some, you come in third here, you do that. I mean, like, uh, especially in soccer, where it's not like you could win $100,000 at once. Uh, going from $100 to $500 could take you three months, right? You put 10 bucks in, you do you 20, you'd a couple of $3 GPP entries, and you go up and down. You go from 100 to 80 to 170 to 120 to 210 to 195. I mean, you just go up and down. So maybe, say, you know, uh, six months later, three months later, something to three to six months later, you go from 100 to 500. That's great. Then because now that you have 500, you're playing a little bit higher. So if you're a good player, you're playing a little higher, which means you're going to get a higher re- return, uh, not percentage wise, but just in in raw money. Right. So going from 500 to 1,000 could take you two months. And then going from 1,000 to 2,000 could take you a month. And then going from 2,000 to 4,000, I mean, you could do possibly in one slate, Right. And now you're at the end of the year, you started with a hundred bucks and now you're at $8,000. But the time it took for you to just, I mean, just get it started. It's like, it it goes up exponentially more like a hockey stick type of type of line in a way that now, once you get up to that point, there's now I'm entering the Thunderdome. It's like, whoa, because the amount of money that you lose, you're now putting yourself back exponentially. Right. So at a hundred dollars, if you if you go broke at that point, if you if you lose the fifty dollars, if you do fifty percent in the fifty dollars you lose, winning fifty dollars is not that hard, by with that amount of money, right? In in in, in the grand scheme of things, but when you're when you have a bankroll of a hundred thousand dollars, like you lose and you're playing ten percent or fifteen percent or something like that, you lose six six slates in a row where you just go off the cliff, which is possible. You're gonna lose half your bankroll because mm-hmm. even if you go, well, it's ten percent. It's like, well, ten percent of a hundred thousand is what ninety thousand. Yeah, right. And then you're ten thousand, and now you're down to ninety thousand. So now you're putting in nine thousand. You lose that. So now you're down to <laughs> eighty-one thousand. Then another eight thousand. Like with within six or seven times, half your bankroll is gone. But it took how long did it, in the span of two weeks? Half your bankroll is gone, and to get go back up to where it was, that may take you two months. So every time you step back, it's harder to come back up. So that's why when people talk about, uh, you know, these these 10 percent numbers or 5 percent numbers, they're going based on the Kelly criterion, which uh, first off assumes that the the odds of your bet is constant. This is, these are meant for like casino games where, you know, where, where you could determine your edge like in a, a more finite way. Or a completely finite way, even if you like counting cards at blackjack or it's video poker with the, you know, it's 10, six video poker where there is a specific number. It's a mathematical, you know, yeah, by chance, just like flipping coins. If, you know, if, if, if someone's offering you 
uh, 11 to 10 on a flip of a coin. It's like, sure, you're going to take, but you're not going to put half your bankroll down on it. <laughs> right. Right. Because uh, it's still a coin flip. Uh, your edge in, in daily fantasy is who knows on every slate, it changes and every type of contest it changes. And the sample sizes that you need to have any type of like accurate type of, uh, assessment is so large that who knows if you're who knows if you're even a profitable player who knows what your edge is you could perceive it you could give an estimate but at the end of the day you're not sure and if you're basing you know if you're going by the kelly criterion you gotta you gotta define that somehow i have an eight percent edge i have an 18 percent edge i have something uh and people i mean we're human tend to overestimate that so you you go in, you go, well, I should have a, a 15% edge in double ups in this sport or whatever. Well, is there a difference between your EPL play and your Champions League play? Is there a difference? Hey, sir, I mean, when I talk about sometimes on Sundays, I play a little bit more volume because a lot of the, the better players aren't playing. So I'm like, I figure to have a slightly more increased edge. But how much more increased? I don't know. Right? It could be 3% more. It could be 5% more. I could be deluding myself and maybe I have less of an edge. Who knows? You need to develop such a large sample size to get any sense uh, of, of what that number is. So if you're going to go by this Kelly strategy, like that, that needs to be there. This is meant for, for games where you could like mathematically show like what your edge is. But in daily fantasy, it's nearly impossible to. Mm-hmm. So when you hear these numbers, it makes no sense. You want, you want to care more, in my opinion, about your risk of ruin more so than your maximized return. Mm-hmm. Right? Because, I mean, it's the same. It's, I mean, yes, the, whether you're 25 or you're 60 or whatever, like, the more that you build your bankroll, the more that you should look to protect that bankroll. And especially if you're deriving, uh, even if it's, it, it's not your, quote, job, if you're deriving a significant amount of income on that, and you are a good player, you want to protect it because that... That's what makes you money. The, the bankroll is what makes you money. You can't take anything out of it. You need to have 80000 in order to play 2000 a slate. Because mm-hmm. once you take one, I'm going to take 60000 and buy a boat or whatever, probably a very cheap boat uh, <laughs> or something, a paddle boat. I don't know what I'm... A, a really right. nice paddle boat. Right. So whenever you look at your bankroll, you have to think of how, if I lose this, how do I replenish this? And think of that in that terms when you're entering when this is before you even think about what contest to enter. This is just like how much should you be playing for in general? So like if uh, if you end up like let's say you get lucky and you win a, a baseball GPP or NFL, maybe not the million maker, but maybe you win 50,000. Like don't think of it as just found money. It's like this is going to now give you the security so you can grind it out and make enough of a return, make a 10 to 15% return on your money. That equals pretty much maybe what you make at your job type of thing. Mm-hmm. But if, you, if you're going to say, well, I'm going to dedicate my time to, to, to grind out daily fantasy. Like if you have no replenishment plan, like you have to, you have to be extremely conservative. I think a lot like of I, the... A lot of the people skip over how they want to play, not necessarily gameplay wise, but it's like if you 
if you do figure out how much money you want to play with, are you going to play in order to win as much money as possible, as fast as possible, which is obviously much riskier than just grinding it out and trying to play as long as possible. Like, I feel like that's another point that people tend to just gloss over when they think, all right, I'll just play 10%. And it's like, is your goal with that 10% to play as long as possible or is it to win as much knowing that that 100% could be gone fairly quickly? Right, right. That's exactly the point that I'm making, yeah. which is perfectly fine to do. I'm not, there's nothing wrong with it. Just understand that your risk of going broke is much higher than you think it is. I think people, you know, I'm going to do 10% of my bankroll and bet blah, 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 thinking that, oh, there's no way that I can lose eight times in a row. Like, of course there is. <laughs> like, this, I mean, the best play, it could be the best player in the world and lose eight times in a row or 10 times in a row because you could win 10 times in a row also. So, thinking in terms of that, if, if you're, playing daily fantasy for you know i threw in a hundred dollars and i got it up to i got it up to a million and i plan on never taking this money out then who cares mm-hmm. and play to make try to play to make enough to buy the company if you want but there has to be an end game at some point in your head whether or not you're either building it up to you know make you know life-changing money Mm-hmm. If you're just playing to like, I'm going to win the million dollar tournament. Like, yeah, that's a risky thing. You're going to just have to replenish your bankroll all the time because that's your goal. And then your ROI looks extremely good once you win that million dollar contest. If you do six years from now. Right. But you have no problem throwing in a hundred dollars, hundred dollars, hundred dollars, thousand dollars, whatever. And it shows all these losses. You've lost two hundred thousand dollars and then you win the million dollars. And there you go. That's your <laughs> that's your return. But. That's how that's how you're going to play. Now, if you're going to play, which I think is close, is, is is more of how I play, is that I'm using this as supplementary income. So I want to get to a point where my bankroll size is enough where I don't have to touch the principal to make a substantial amount of money where I could take it out on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. So, for instance, once you get to a certain point where you've reached an ROI level where you're essentially not touching the capital on your investment. Like right. if you, let's say you have a hundred thousand dollar bankroll and you have a sample size and you know how much you pretty much how much on average you expect to win on average. And let's say that comes out to where you could take out a thousand dollars a week every week. And then at the end of the year, you're still left with your hundred thousand dollars. Like you've won, you've made enough money on your investment that you're just taking a stipend. You're mm-hmm. taking, and it's stuff that you could go on vacation or just add it to your, you know, put it in your retirement fund or something, something like that. Now that doesn't mean that you can't play, like you can't play millie maker entries in how you play, but you're not going to, if you're going to play $300 worth of, you know, if, if, that whatever percentage that you're playing is 300 bucks, like don't, and you know, don't do 10 millie maker entries and that's it. Like you're gonna play in a way that's, you know, comparable to what you're looking to get out of your your bankroll management, and that's why, you know, that's why people find it nuts a lot of times uh, when it's like, you know, my average percentage per slate is one percent on average. Sometimes it's lower. Sometimes you can't. Sometimes on small slates, you, I mean, you just can't have that volume right. in soccer, especially. But I mean, I take a look at golf and it's like I, I, I 
I don't play that much volume in golf. I play, I may play 30 lineups, but they're all in like $4, $8 contests and whatever it is, it is. Uh, but I'm not playing like the club pro 333 or anything. Mm -hmm. I can, I have the bankroll to afford that. But my goal in this is not to just throw stuff around. Now, at certain instances, I will enter those types of contests if I believe that my edge is hot for some reason that week, that slate, the opponents that are in, the obviously the prize structure, or quote, if there's overlay, that it's worth it. That but because my average amount per slate or per whatever is so low, like the my version of taking a risk is a lot of people's version of being way too conservative. Because I talk with a lot of other players that have bigger bankrolls, and I think it's that it, the, these are people that, that two years from now will be broke. It's a mathematical certainty, unless they're the luckiest people ever. Because putting in 150 entries into $33 contests and, like, you know, going winning 300000 like, you, you'll see – and that, uh, this is this is the the side of the 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 playing base that most lower stakes players may not understand that the person that won the main GPP in whatever sport that you're in maybe not the millie maker but like you know baseball the hundred thousand dollar whatever on the twenty dollar tournament or whatever uh, that person may have lost money on that slate yeah because they're they're playing at such a volume where. Yeah, they won a hundred thousand. Yeah, they got the they played one hundred and fifty entries. They got the one entry that had the guy that hit three home runs at point eight percent ownership, whatever. But uh, also played like like five ten thousand dollar head to heads, and the you know the Thunderdome and whatever. And they have you know the lineup the the twenty dollar lineup that's one of their one hundred and fifty may have hit that, but maybe the the quote cash lineup that they played bombed. So they look at the hundred thousand and like like well I. Well, good thing I good thing I won the hundred thousand, so I only have a fifteen thousand dollar loss today, <laughs> right? But that that is what happens. People don't don't understand that. They look at the rankings and roto grinders and go, "Oh, these are the best players." It's like, no, those are the most volatile GPP players. Those aren't necessarily the most profitable players. Mm -hmm. Now, a lot of them are. A lot of them are, I mean, a lot of people are are really good at everything, and they do well, and they have a. a positive return on investment everything that they do but they're also employing a very 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 risky uh bankroll management and they're surviving right now because you know when when you win a live final for 2.5 million dollars like that'll sustain you yeah it, it makes it, it easier kinda, to keep playing <laughs> right it makes it easier to keep playing right uh they're putting themselves and they're putting themselves in the position where they can get that prize but for every person that that lifted that big check there are tons of other people that uh, probably aren't even playing anymore from from two years ago from three years ago that you go what happened to this guy and you go most likely they're broke because you can't you can't you can't just just go balls to the wall that entire time math is going to catch up to you math you're always going wins, to get man. unlucky right you're gonna get you're gonna get unlucky no matter how good you play i could get aces every hand for an entire round and have them lose nine times. Now, the likelihood of that happening is low, but it's not zero. Right. So if you're going to play as if that is zero, 
you're going to hit points where 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 that happens. So you have to make sure that that uh, that you're 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 put you're investing in a way. If your goal, like that's why Andrew, when you mentioned before, what is your overall goal? If your goal is to throw in a hundred bucks and have fun, do whatever you want. I don't care to do. Fine, do all your money, but but. You know, put $400 in and just play the $400 long ball. Fine. Do whatever you want. If you have a way to replenish and you just want to keep on playing and this is entertainment, do whatever you want. And if your goal is to uh, beer money and you're just like, if I could just make beer money, I'm fine. Yeah, play, play 20%, whatever. I mean, you're you're never, you're going to be playing for under $1,000 or whatever anyway. So it's not like it's ever going to be substantial enough where, like, if you're making uh, – uh, Forty thousand dollars a year salary at your job, like the way that you're playing at best, uh, gets you an extra eighty bucks a week. Like you're not thinking in terms of creating a sustainable recurring, in, you know, income stream. Mm-hmm. Like it's eighty bucks. It's the you know I could I could buy my kid a present type of thing, my wife a whatever you know like that type of beer money. But then if you're playing uh, for, you know. I, not pride, but I guess ego or like, I'm going to be the best player and win the most money ever. I want to hold up that big check. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm playing for. Like, well, you're technically playing for entertainment. Also, <laughs> you're playing in such a high risk way that it's like either I'm going to, uh, win the million maker or go broke trying like, but that's perfectly fine. If that's your goal, I have to be able to respect anyone's goals if that's your goal. The problem comes in is when people say, uh, my goal is to make a living playing daily fantasy. And then they play in a way where it's like, well, I, I need to win the million dollars. It's like, no, well, that that, that, that contradicts one another. Right. Hmm. So for those who play for fun and fun to them is just, well, let, let me change that question. For those who play for beer money, uh, you have seemed to be an advocate for grinding out cash games. Uh, I think that's mostly how you play now. Is that correct? Yeah. Still. Right. But I mean, um, I don't for beer money. I mean, I right. a significant amount of income. I do it for, you know, as a, yeah, I, I view it as blue chip investing type of very conservative. And, you know, my goal is to make a steady return over time and yeah if i think a gpp sure why not mm-hmm. no but i mean I'm, I'm not i'm not investing my money i mean i will play i you know in golf i play all the majors i do play the the, the millie maker but i'm but the the times that i like even in poker uh it's perfectly fine to take a shot mm-hmm. but pick your shots like that's that's that the only thing that i uh, would would recommend to people that are looking to make, even if it's beer money or a little bit more than beer money or something like that, is that make sure that there's a reason you're picking your sh- you're either building yourself a bankroll and being conservative with it so that if you want to take a shot, you can take a shot from time to time mm-hmm. and it doesn't kill you, or you take a little bit you take shots a little bit more often, but you're taking them for a very specific reason. There are plenty of time there there. I wouldn't say plenty. Uh, like I'll take a five hundred dollar head. Like in the past, even if I'm not, I mean, there are times I played a five hundred and thirty dollar head to head because it's someone I've never seen in the lobby and doesn't have a badge. So I'm like, I think my edge there on this slate is so large against a random person 
that instead of being in every double up, I'm just going to I'm going to just take this head to head. And it represents more than 50 percent of my action on this slate. But in that specific case, it's like I'm going to take a shot right there. I'm more I'm, I, I'm more comfortable in that place. And it's the same thing for golf with the, the majors. It's like since I don't play NFL and barely NBA and baseball really doesn't have like Millie makers or whatever. It's like, OK, in golf, I'll play. I'll, it's a horrible payout structure. You have to play as if you're nuts because your goal is to get first. But in those situations, I'll play 30. I mean, I'll 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 play a thousand dollars of entries into that millionaire maker. That's my shot. There's my shot that I'm going for. But the thousand dollars I'm playing right there is is a fraction of my bankroll. I mean, I'm building my bankroll in the way that I can four times a year take a shot like that. Mm-hmm. But I'm not doing that every week. I'm not playing. You know, I play weekend golf, and so and I do play a decent amount of volume in weekend golf because I think I have a bit more of an edge. Uh, but I built my bankroll. So like uh, other people play like that all the time. It's like, it, like I, the swings are going to be so big. And if you not sure if you're a winning player, especially, or your ROI level is on the low side, it's like, you're just asking for trouble. Mm-hmm. So like, if you're looking to just beer money, put in, uh, what that the point in which you start playing to protect your bankroll is the point in which you've made enough money where you look at it going, uh, if this wasn't here, I wouldn't be able to put this amount of money in based on, you know, what you, you know, currently do for a living. Mm-hmm. If you understand what I'm saying, like if, if you're, if you could afford to put your next paycheck, let's say you get paid 800 bucks, your next paycheck and you go, well, I don't really have much expenses. Uh, I, you know, I pay my $200 or whatever and I have $600 left. I could put $600 in even if I lose it. Well, there's the point. If you have $5,000 in your account, in your bankroll, because it doesn't have to be in your account. Whenever I say the word bankroll, it's just whatever you've set aside to use to play daily fantasy. Uh, If you look at that $5,000 and go, if this went away right now, can I put $5,000 back in uh, within a reasonable time frame? And if your answer is no, that means you should protect it. Right. You should play in a way where it's, Instead of trying to go from five thousand to seven thousand this month, try to go from five thousand to fifty five hundred because you're most likely going to be successful doing that rather than risk the other the other way. And that's why you see with uh, you know when you, on podcasts and articles and this guy won this and this guy won this GPP, like it's uh you're getting uh sur- it's survivor bias, uh, which is a, a logical kind of it's not really a logical fallacy that. Like you're pointing out, like this guy did it, this guy did it. Look, this guy, this guy played crazy, and now look, look at him. It's like for every one person like that, there's a hundred that are broke, right. that are out of playing. So you see all the success stories, but that survive. You see the survivors, but you don't see the the failure because who who knows who failed? You know, the same for products. You know the iPhone. You don't know the the ten other phones that came ten years before that that failed. You know, in a small company that maybe they're the ones that actually did the innovation. And Apple was the one that, you know, that, that was a survivor of it. I'm not, I mean, that's a very poor example. <laughs> I do know the history of that industry. But but you get my point that yep. don't look at 
these high volume, multi massive, multi entry players and go, I want to get to the level where I can do what they do. It's like, well, for every one of them, there's a hundred people that tried that and are gone. Mm -hmm. So do you ever think of, or not you, you probably of course think it, but people starting out, um, in terms of how much money they're actually putting into cash games versus tournaments. Cause it seems like that's a topic that a lot of people cover and yet it's kind of just glossed over like, yeah, here, just like the 10% thing. Yeah. Play this percentage in cash and this percentage in GPPs and you'll be fine. Right. They go 80, 20. Well, it depends on your ROI. It depends on your edge. That's the, that's the problem that people have in daily fantasy is that everyone has a different, different edge. Every situation, the edge is different. Who's in the contest? What's the payout structure? What's your edge with your playing style? Are you better at judging ownership and then do playing slightly contrarian and doing well in GPP? Are you better at looking at the chalk plays and constructing a optimal lineup versus the people that are in the contest versus the head to head lobby versus you, you also have to make the assessment of uh, what's available for that given slate. Different GPPs are different. What the rake is. I mean, we could go on for, uh, for an hour about rake. Uh, that, like, that, that's all determined to you. I can't tell you that number. Mm -hmm. I can tell you my estimation, and even my estimation could be wildly off for my myself. I may go, like, I'm going to do, because uh, sometimes in certain slates, I'm like, I'm playing 95% cash and barely any GPP. Sometimes it's the complete opposite. It depends on what I believe where my edge is best at that given moment, that given slate. So getting one answer of 80, 20 or start out with cash like that. None of that matters. I tell, I, t I do tell a lot of people for soccer. Uh, if they're like, Oh, I'm looking, you know, they're coming from another sport or something. And I know that they're a halfway decent player. And I go, uh, play, uh, play head to heads and don't play the double ups in soccer. Uh, unless you once you, until you start getting to know, Maybe the lobby better only because it, only because <laughs> I the, it's one of the sharpest lobbies in any sport. I mean, the, the, the soccer community for DFS is fairly small. Yep. You take a look at some of the double ups and you go, what is my edge amongst nine other guys that I block head to heads from? <laughs> like, like, like we, we trade rake if at best, even if I'm worse than them and they think they're better than me or whatever, it's still un under the 10 percent rake. That at the end of the day, if we did this a million times, DraftKings gets the money and both of us have nothing, you know. So you look at that and I look at the double ups and have to, and a lot of times it's that also. So to tell someone else that I know is probably worse than all of us to say, oh, go play 80 percent of your bank, your, your, your slate allotment on cash games. To me, is stupid. Like in certain situations, on certain slates, on an interleague slate where you don't see a lot of the regulars. Maybe that's a better place to put in some double ups and you have to check what the entrants are. And maybe you're just getting to, to, to learn the sport and I'm going, no, just put up, you know, $21 head to heads and $21, $2 head to heads, get as much, you know, as much uh, exposure to opponents as possible. So you can get more of a sense of if you're good or not, rather than relying it on, on double up results for one specific week. Maybe mm -hmm. you did well one week, but you could be if you play that way eight, the next 8 weeks you're going to do horribly. And maybe uh you know, you're coming in 6th and 7th in a double up and coming in 6th and 7th in a double up, maybe you are would be winning some head to head. So at least you're not losing all your money at that point. So that's why the the 
well, 80-20. Or like that, it, make, it makes no sense. There is no set answer. And that's what frustrates people. And that's why I, I wanted to talk more about this, about uh, the overall thinking. Like once you start getting the thinking and the concepts, you could then apply it to yourself. And then the answer is when you ask someone else is it depends. And, it frust- and, it, and it's frustrating. It, it, it happens all the time. Should I play this guy? Even just like, should I play this guy? Should I, should I fade this game? Should I? It depends. It all depends on how you play, what contest you're in, who you're playing against, uh, what, what your GPP, if, if you're combining your cash game strategy with your GPP strategy. Are you trying to hedge here? Are you playing the all-day slate versus the normal-day slate? Are you trying to hedge between those? Are you trying to go all I mean, like, there's so many variables. That by the time I'm done asking how many variables there are, you've you've fallen asleep. And maybe at the end of the day, here's my assessment. And uh, 52% of the time you should do this, and 48% of the time you should do that. <laughs> and then you and then you punch me in the face <laughs> because it's like that's that's it, it depends. Like, but I I think that what doesn't depend is that uh, the lower percentage that you play per slate, the longer you'll last. And don't look at what if people are playing 20% and, well, look, now they have a $300,000 bankroll. It's, okay. And if they continue to play that way, they're going to be back at 5000 also. I mm-hmm. mean, like, and that's what you see people all the time. The person that you're like, oh, he won $500,000. And then three months later, you go, well, where, where the hell, where did he go? He's not playing as high as he was before. Like, yeah, it's just, I mean, I experienced the same thing in poker where, I mean, I hung out with a lot of tournament players and I was, you know, the Joey Kanish cash game guy. <laughs> and I mean, they would win a tournament. I mean, I, I'd won, I call them friends. It's like, it's poker people, whatever you would go and travel together. Uh, they would won, won $300,000 in a tournament because he's more, he's a good, he was a very good tournament player. So it was like a $5,000 tournament and he won 300,000. Uh, I mean, this is someone that's like 20 years old, uh, bought a BMW, uh, because what he has $300,000. Yeah, that's what 20 year olds do with $300,000. Right. right. Bought a BMW and then started playing, came back and started playing in the underground, like big limit, uh, high limit, no, like 10, 20, no limit where like the buy-in is like $10,000. Mm-hmm. I started playing in those games, which he is a profitable player. Like he is, he's a good player. Uh, three weeks later, he had to sell the BMW because he had no more money left to mm-hmm. play. So that's, this is what I'm talking about. Like, it's quite possible that he could have done played that way and took $300,000 and made 2 million. And then Next thing you know, he's on the cover of Bluff Magazine or something a year from now because now he's playing $10,000 tournaments, and maybe he wins $2.5 million. Like, you could, you could go that – I mean, you could get a good uh, – the positive variance the first time you try to do something like that. And a lot of times what you're seeing in daily fantasy as well as poker, you're seeing those survivors. But you're not seeing the, the 20 others – that tried to do that and are broke and are trying and now are trying to do it again and again and they get to a certain level and it's like oh, I'm not all the way there so if you which is perfectly fine if you want if you want to be that way if you're 20 years old and you have no your kids or any dependents or you could replenish your bankroll with a couple of hundred bucks because you work at a you know at a bar 
as a bartender or bust, you know, barback or whatever, whatever you're doing, perfectly fine because you could take those risks. You know, I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm not old, old, but I'm 38. Like, but even the, I'm, my personality type, even when I was playing poker when I was 23, like my goal, my whole goal in my head is I don't want a real job. So it's like whatever I could do to maximize to never have to have a boss or a like have a scale like nine to five. That's what I maximize for. So that's where you could tell where my my playing type comes from. Of like if I can if I can make a thousand dollars a week on average playing daily fantasy on top of my current job, which is me working for myself anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, to me, that's that's my goal. If I if if I never win. If I never hold up one of those big checks, like I would love to, but I'm not going to kill myself trying to get to live finals, right? Because the investment seems stupid. Like uh, I'm maximizing so that that you know I'm in the process now. Like my bankroll is being built to buy a house outright. Like that's my goal because I don't want to pay interest on a mortgage. So it's like if I could build up to $150,000, which I know if you're out in like. New York or San Francisco is like, well, you're going to need a lot more than that. <laughs> but here in Louisville, you could buy a nice, nice property and a nice house for $150,000. So my goal is not uh, to to w- build a bankroll of $150,000. My goal is to build a bankroll of $200,000. Mm-hmm. So then I can then buy a $150,000 house and still have $50,000 in my bankroll mm-hmm. to continue playing so I can make $1,000 a week on top of what I currently make, uh, which is – you know, if I never played DFS again, I still live a normal middle class lifestyle regardless. So the extra money is just, you know, me and my wife could go on a cruise once a year, you know, that type of money. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I mean, I don't live that extravagantly as it is other than computer equipment, uh, which is only like a once a year purchase. Uh, so like that's my like if you hear that, that's my goal. This is why I play this way. Figure it's not it's not better than the way you play or someone else plays. Just Figure that out first. What is your overall? What is your long-term goal? What is your philosophy of why you're playing daily fantasy? And then, then you can answer all the other questions. But a lot of people, they don't. They, there's, I don't get a sense of there's an any long. There's a, there's, I don't know what's going to happen a year from now type of. Like no, think in terms of why are you playing? And if you're playing, I, I'm playing for ego, and I, I don't. I'm just putting money in so I could, you know, lift a big check. That's perfectly fine but then the answer would be don't play any cash games sure like your goal is you know you want to play the heaviest payout structure tournament you can and play as contrarian as you can knowing you're going to lose nine out of ten times but at some point uh, you string enough results together you may be lifting that big check mm-hmm. right playing my way most likely you're never going to be lifting that big check because you know i'm not playing in the contest enough to even qualify for that so think in terms of that, like Andrew, like you, you have a job. I know that, that while you are a good player and I always, you know, even, you know, off the podcast say, you know, you, you could play for a higher volume. Like when, you know, Andrew, when it's me saying, maybe you should invest a little bit more. That, <laughs> like, no, like I'm the most conservative of uh, conservative to, in bankroll management. So if I'm telling you that, like, it, it has to be a compliment in some way, right? Sure. sure. I should. Does that add? I mean, I know this has nothing to do necessarily with DFS soccer or even the answer of how much money should I put in cash games and what contests and how should I spread it out. I think this is more important. I think it's more important to figure out why you're playing. 
and understand that the answer depends on you and no one else can answer that. I think it's, I mean, it, there are questions, it's a question we get. You don't think it's important. It nope. sounded like you didn't think so. No, no, no. I, it's, uh, I was going to say it's a question that we, we get from plenty of people playing soccer, though. It's not like it's a non-soccer related topic. Like there are plenty of people who are in the Slack chat that are saying, you know, they obviously have made soccer a priority to them and they want to get better. And some of them don't think about this at all. And so it's like, well, it's not DFS is significantly more than just am I getting the right set piece takers? And I think it's important that we talk about it. Okay, that's all. It was just a pause for that. I didn't disagree. (laughs) Uh, The last thing I want to um, talk about quickly uh it's sort of about bankroll management well it definitely is but it seems like we still get some comments where we see comments from people saying oh well so and so is just good because he throws 100 entries into the three dollar contest and that's why he wins all the time and we talk off the pod uh about why that is a in, I don't want to call it incorrect, but why that's basically the wrong way to think about it. Can you explain why you shouldn't do that? <laughs> why you shouldn't or should do that? Because you can do that. Well, you could do it, yes. But I, I think people expect that if you put $100 into the $3 tournament and and if you win it, like, great, that then you're going to win it every time. And we don't see that being the case, but people kind of ignore the times when somebody has 100 entries and none of them cash. Right, survivor bias. Right. I mean, that's exactly what it is. When if you the more entries you put, it, it's true. The more enter, entries you put into a contest, the more increased chance you have to win said contest. Mm-hmm. Now, when I say the word win, I mean come in first place. I didn't mean make money. Right. Like, p- plus ROI and winning a GPP are two separate things. So when you see someone that wins a GP, they play 150 entries. And it's not just soccer. I mean, mm-hmm. like that you increase the chance of winning that GPP and you play like baseball, which is like every day or even basketball. Like you'll see them win more often than not over the course of the season, even though they won a hundred thousand dollars in that they won that week. And then two months later, they win it again for a hundred thousand dollars at the end of the season. They actually may be a negative player. Mm-hmm. Like, if you're going to do 150 entries every week, every slate and that type of contest, maybe your ROI is actually you win it twice and your ROI is minus 7%. Right. Right. Like that. That's why thinking in terms of the people that play like that, like they're doing that all they're doing it over the course of a long period of time to, to a, a, someone that is not playing for either big money or recurring money or they're just playing for fun, you know, if you won the $100,000, you'd go, well, I'm buying a car. You know, like that, these people are like, oh, thank thank you, I won $100,000 in that GPP because I lost 80000 last month. Right. Right, like it's not, it's not like, oh, now it, it's not, it's not luxury money. Like this is, you know, their graph of their income and their return in Daily Fantasy is like a roller coaster. Mm-hmm. Like it's just a complete roller coaster, and they ha- and you know they'll go through spurts of being down a half a million dollars, and then being up a half a million dollars, and at the end of the end, end of a certain time period, it's like their ROI is fourteen percent, but it's fourteen percent because it's like they win a lot at once and then they lose for two months 
right. straight, like that type of thing. Or they they're not getting the, they're coming in fifth. They're playing such high payout structure, top heavy stuff that it, like if you're if you're not coming in the first like three spots, like you're not that you you would always look and you go, I'm gonna play 150 engines. That's why you don't do it in soccer. Mm-hmm. That's why, well, that's I, that's I, where I was going with it. Yeah. Like, why would you, like to me? It's it's a losing strategy in soccer from an ROI perspective is because first place doesn't pay enough. Mm-hmm. So if you put in 150 entries in the corner kick, which is a five dollar tournament, mm-hmm. it pays five thousand to first place. Okay, so you're gonna spend seven hundred two thousand dollars. Two thousand. Two thousand. The EPL corner that. kick. Yeah, five bucks. The first one is two thousand. And with 150 entry max. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, seven hundred and fifty bucks of entries, and the most right. your single entry can win is two thousand. Two thousand, right? What? What's the the You would have to have come in third, in order to even make your money back. Right. Obviously, you could obviously you could have like the multiple placements or whatever yeah. that type of thing, but it's like it's not worth the investment at that point. If you're gonna invest seven fifty to potentially try to make two thousand, you might as well just play triple ups. Right. At that point, but in top in other sports, there are top heavy. Structured like the mill, like the milli maker. First place is a million. Second place is a hundred and fifty thousand, and tenth place is a thousand. Right. <laughs> like, and you're playing against two hundred thousand people. Mm-hmm. Like that's so ridiculously top heavy that, uh, yeah. It, 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 if your goal is is to anything other than I want to get first place, you should not be playing that contest. Right. That will be negative ROI. If you're gonna play, I'm gonna play the whole chalky lineup and get a uh, a top eighty third percent percentile. Like you're losing money. Like that, your goal is not to double. You just play a double up at that point. Uh, but the the people that do play these max entries, that is their goal. They're spent. They're gonna spend fifty thousand dollars in entries. You know, over the course of a season to try to hit that million dollars. And there are a lot of people doing that. And you just see the survivor every week, but you don't see that. You don't see that the the twenty other people that are like, I hope that you know it's week fourteen and their bankroll went down eighty percent. They're going. I got two more weeks to kill it, or I need to find a job, or just going down in stakes, which a lot of people, even for uh, psychological or pride reasons, don't even want to do. And that that ends up. I find that ends up being more uh the ruin of people than than poor bankroll strategy is that they have a good bankroll strategy they go up and then they go on a losing streak and then it becomes like the degenerate gamblers thinking a way of like well now i gotta double down because i gotta get even type right of thing. it's like well now you're digging now it's quicksand like say, yes you'll sometimes you're like i'm gonna double and then you win and you're like, oh, okay i'm back i can play at the stakes that i'm playing at now but a lot of people don't a lot of people like oh, I refuse to to drop down. It's like no, you're gonna have to drop down. Mm-hmm. Decrease your volume, even if you're doing it. Even if you're doing it for uh, psychological, like you're, like I would do that in poker, and and other professional players would suggest the same thing. Of if you're on a, you know, you're you're playing the normal size that, for your bankroll, but you're you're on a, a bad losing streak. You get you know you're getting your aces cracked. You're getting bad beat on the river or whatever. It's like. Just step down and then play really tight and solid. Mm-hmm. Just because uh, you're not going to win much, probably that way. But you're probably not going to lose much. But you, it's more of a you gaining your confidence. Like getting a small win after five losing sessions 
they may help you play better because it's like, okay, I want a little. And then the next day you're like, okay, I want a little. Okay. Okay. I'm back. I, I, I'm, I'm not, I'm not crazy. I didn't all of a sudden lose my skill at this. And then you start increasing from there. Awesome. Right. I don't know. Is, is this going to help anyone? Uh, <laughs> we'll, <laughs> we'll find anything, out. We'll find if out. anything, dispel the myths or something like, uh, as far as like, yeah, they play 150 entries and they win all the time. It's like they can be lit. The, this guy and won the whatever, and it's like he could be a losing player. Yeah, I think that you I know? think a lot of people ignore that part. Right. It's like, oh, he's on the top of the leaderboard. It's like, and and he did. When you play, when you're playing fifty thousand dollar heads up matches, mm-hmm. like <laughs> you could easily be a losing player, even winning the GPP. Mm-hmm. It's it's astonishing, and people don't people don't look at that type of stuff. And I go, oh, this guy must have a lot of money. It's like, who knows? Who knows? Right. I'm not saying all of them. I'm just saying who knows. You don't know, so don't just automatically assume that if someone's good at GPP and they win a big one, that you know, there are some people that held up that big check at the live final where by them holding up the big check is them saying, I'm even. <laughs> even. Finally. I'm back to even. <laughs> uh, <laughs> All right. Um, if anybody has any follow-up questions, you can find Jordan on Twitter at BlenderHD. You can find me at Rotowire Andrew. We're also usually available in the Rotowire Soccer Slack chat. If you want in there, just email me, andrew at rotowire.com. Uh, we'll be back on Monday to talk about hopefully a successful World Cup qualifying weekend, although who knows with these slates. But anyway, Jordan, thank you for all of that, and good luck this weekend. Yeah, make sure to check the weather. <laughs> thank you for listening to the Rotowire Fantasy Soccer Podcast. For more great content, visit rotowire.com slash soccer. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.